Welcome to Do That Well. I'm your host, Brenda Brown, and with me, executive coach Karen Thrall. Today on Do That Well, we're going to dive into another series based on a chapter from Karen's upcoming book of allegories. And this series is going to be Do Speaking Your Mind Well. Today, we're going to kick it off with honoring your voice. Before we jump into honoring your voice, Karen, can you give a little bit of backstory on this chapter that inspired the Speaking Your Mind Well series? Out of all the chapters in the book, this one was where I felt the most probably vulnerable. And um, I wrestled with even putting it in. And the reason is, is as I look over my life, there's relationships that come and go. In the workplace, you could be two peas in a pod, hanging out, always together, fully in each other's lives, and then you change companies and the relationship disappears. And that's okay. It's normal to have relationships ebb and flow. You know, there's other times you have relationships you might grow out of or circumstances change, and that's okay. It's part of life. The ones that I wrestle with are the ones I've had to kind of figure out for myself are the ones where there's tension, conflict, I might not agree, uh, different points of view, frustration, rolling the eyes, <laughs> things that where it's just a little bit harder. And so all of a sudden, you start thinking it's just easier not to be friends than to put the work in. This whole allegory is about these two kids who grew up in an apple orchard, and they're inseparable. And as they grow older, they begin to find different paths of life. And as they find different paths of life, they find different points of view, different belief systems, and it's getting harder and harder to, to remain really close friends. At that point, the apple orchard, we find out is enchanted and the apples talk. <laughs> and so they're concerned about these two friends who've, who've allowed their friendship to just fade away and they do an intervention. So the whole allegory is getting these two people to speak to each other. So that's where the inspiration comes is speaking your mind and how do you do it in a way that is life-giving to yourself and to the people around you. In a nutshell, that's what that <laughs> chapter is about. I think that this one resonated for both of us. I know it resonated for me so much as well, because there is so much conflict going on in our society right now. There are many circumstances that I witness, and even in my own life, where I am all of a sudden finding myself at odds with certain people that maybe in the past I've had amazing relationships with, even in my own family. And I think that speaking your mind and knowing how to do that in a way that can be conducive to relationships is so yeah. pertinent to what's happening right now in our society. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Speaking your mind, like obviously that can mean a lot of things. And today we're specifically going to talk about honoring your voice why is honoring your voice important? Why is that mm -hmm. an important starting place? Mm -hmm. um, there was a, an author and I really like, it's called Outsmarting Anger is the book. And I went through this uh, season where I studied the emotion of anger. I mean, obsessively studied it. And it really, <laughs> because I was learning about what it meant to me in my life personally. And so oh, I just took tons of books, bought a whole bunch of books and really enjoyed it. And something that he, Dr. Joseph Schranz, one of the things he talked about that really stuck with me is when 
a baby's born, the baby cries. And we know the baby's crying because they're hungry, dirty diaper, they're tired, they're in pain, they need to be held. Really simple. And so they're communicating. And as we go, oh, the baby's hungry, and we feed the baby. And as the baby grows older, the baby cries and go, oh, you're hungry. Do you want to eat? Do you want some food? And the baby starts going, wait, when I cry this way, I say food. So the baby learns to say food. And and the baby grows up and now it's a toddler, three or four-year-old, and it goes, mommy, I'm hungry. And so, okay, or mommy, daddy, I'm hungry. And then it starts to find words. And then it continues to grow up and all of a sudden says, hey, can I make myself a sandwich? You know, <laughs> and we train at a young age, use your words, find your words. And we're so patient as parents to teach a child. And we get so excited when this little tiny human being says chicken. You're like, oh my gosh, they said chicken. You know, And we, we practice using our voice. We, we're advocates of teaching these little humans to use their, find their words. And then they grow up and school begins. And now they're being taught to be quiet. So we stop training the power of using your words. And now we're teaching be quiet. So a child then, okay, for me to get to behave well, I need to not say anything. Then we say things like, use your inside voice, you're using your outside voice, and we're being trained how not to use our voice and what that is is now then we become adults (laughs) and then we become adults possibly that are shy just naturally shy so now we have a hard time using our voice because we're shy or maybe we're an adult that is emotional and now we have a hard time using our voice because it's 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 woven in with emotion so this thing of honoring your voice has been lost that art is being lost the beautiful thing about honoring your voice is it's the inner voice. There is an inner voice, an inner conversation that lives in each one of us that is uniquely to you, uniquely to me, uniquely to the people listening. Nobody else has an inner voice like mine. It's mine. And I don't know what to do with it anymore. And I don't know how to validate it. And I'm afraid to use it. And I start making assessments when not to use it instead of figuring out how to use it. So a moment ago, you talked about how when we're younger, you know, we're using our words and then at a certain point in life, this thing happens where now we're being trained to be quiet or to not use our words and we stop that. It actually make me think of Willie, you know, Willie. So Willie worked at Fluvog also, and we had this great relationship with one another. One of my best guy friends, when people were getting frustrated or upset or they'd be swearing, he would say to them, use your words. I love that because at first I was like, well, it's kind of rude. Like, don't you know, <laughs> tell someone to use their words. But now I find myself saying that because I think you're right. That is something that we forget that we can do sometimes if we're, if we're frustrated or in this moment. And I think it actually is maybe a little bit rude, but it is also kind of a nice reminder to tell someone, okay, find your words. What are you, what are you saying? Use your words, articulate to me what, like what's going on, you know? <laughs> Because how you think is very valuable to the rest of us. How how you're going to use your words is not how I'm going to use your words. And I get to 
enjoy listening to you speak to me in the words you choose. And that we, we become, uh, it's a generalization, but there's a bit more of a dismissiveness. So when you were talking earlier about any tensions because of different maybe opinions or point of views, there's this, uh, I don't know if it's a culture of being dismissive and we're all guilty. It's like we don't want to hear something that is contradicting my inner voice. And it's very difficult and it's, it's causing a lot of tension because I don't want to hear if this is a contradiction to what I'm thinking. And we don't know, we don't know how we don't, what do I do? How do I engage in this conversation without getting upset or, you know, or any type of negative, negative feeling? So I'm glad that you specifically said, how do I engage in this conversation without getting upset? Because I think that sometimes when we think of honoring our voice, we think that that has so much to do with how do I come to a conversation and make sure that my opinion is heard? How do I make sure Mm -hmm. I come to a conversation? I'm going to win. And that's me honoring my voice. But I think that what we're trying to say is that honoring your voice is more than just being being loud or being domineering or winning a conversation. Can we dive a little bit deeper into to what that looks like Mm -hmm. and what that really means? Mm -hmm. Okay, I like that. How I would describe it is there's a difference between being vocal and using your voice. You know, I think of a singer where a singer, they tell you to open up your diaphragm. And if you don't, there's a strain. So you can still sing well, but if you don't sing from your diaphragm, you're straining. You can hear the strain. You can't hit the notes. So you can still sing. It's similar. Like we can be vocal, but vocal doesn't mean you are using your voice. And that you're honoring your voice. It just means you might be loud. <laughs> and we think, why? What? What is it? And, and what's interesting is many people, the reason they feel they have to be loud is because they don't feel heard. You know, so they're being loud because they've learned. Maybe they come from a huge family. <laughs> And they learned, you know, if you got, if you want something to happen, you got to yell at the dinner table. I don't know that there's a reason they have learned this habit of, if I want to say what I'm thinking, I'm going to use, I'm going to use power and loudness, you know? And my thing is when you find your voice, when you honor your voice, there is no loud or quiet. There is a, there is an assuredness of what I'm saying. And okay, so for me personally, and this is interesting, actually, I I can't believe I'm actually going to tell you this. Uh, I <laughs> noticed in my professional career, my voice was getting raspier and raspier. And when I started studying this whole anger thing, which is a whole different topic, that is not what we're talking about today, but it did launch me into how to use my voice. One of the freedoms I received was that I'm actually a soft-spoken person. But my career, my professional world, I was trying to be a loudspoken person. And I didn't know how to do it because it wasn't really me. Some people have loud voices. You know, they just do. You know, they have a bellowing laugh, you know, and it's wonderful. But others, I I felt pressure that I had to have this loud voice. And it was straining. It was actually straining me. And and over the last couple of years, I'm learning how to speak calmly and be confident in my voice, not in my vocal cords. There's also people that can have a really hard time articulating their voice or coming to a conversation with their opinion without becoming really emotional. I actually tend to be more in this boat of things. 
if I'm talking about something I haven't really thought through, if it's a subject that I actually feel passionate about, and I haven't really thought through exactly what my stance is on this topic, I will get kind of teary. And it's not necessarily because I'm angry or I'm sad. It just happens. I just get emotional. What's your advice or mm-hmm. for people mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. might be more in that boat, that mm-hmm. they're, they're not the loud people, they're actually the quiet people. And in fact, they get a lot of emotion that gets welled up when they're trying to articulate themselves and mm-hmm. use their voice. Mm-hmm. When you begin to emote tears or just in a type of emotion, find the wisdom. Because what's happening with the tears is you don't know, you can't find your words, but your body knows you need to say something. So when you start to cry, it that's a clue. Your body's going, hey, by the way, you have something really important to say, and I can't hold it in for you. I, I This needs to come out. And so your body takes over and starts to communicate on your behalf. It's actually quite beautiful. And I remember in a coaching session, I was speaking with an individual and they began to cry. They were embarrassed that they were crying. It's happened more than once. And to me, in that moment, I'm like, what are you trying to say? Let's figure out what these, what is the language behind the body? The body took over. So to me, it's, it's beautiful because you can't control it. You actually can't control it. Your body took over and your body has something to say. And you can say, I'm trying to say something. Give me a minute because I'm crying. I'm, I need to figure out what I'm trying to say. And I find too, um, I'm not somebody who can, th- I, I can't, uh, I can't think on my feet. And just segueing just a bit to bring that point home. I remember being in board meetings. I had to learn to, uh, when a question, when I wasn't prepared for a question, I had to learn to go, uh, skip me, give me a minute to think about it because I didn't know how to, to think on my feet. And it's the same with tears. Sometimes your body's going, just take a minute and think about what you want to say and then say it. So it's okay to go, just give me a minute. My, I, I, I'm crying. So obviously I have something to say, just give me a minute. So this has happened to me before. Um, this is a new question that I didn't already tell you I had. So if you know, we, we don't have to keep You're it so in. Mean. If you You're so if mean. You don't want to. No pressure. <laughs> um, but it just came to mind as we were talking about these things because I can think of a time in pretty recent history in my workplace. As I mentioned, I do tend to get emotional. I also am not good at thinking on my feet, as you mentioned, that you, you share this quality But I work with somebody who is one of these people, they come with a loud voice and they're that person and they do think on their feet and they're really quick. I find that if I'm in a situation where maybe I would want to say, okay, give me a minute, let me process this. I feel very judged or I feel like they're immediately go to this place of then they just use that extra space to continue Mm -hmm. to take over the conversation do you have any thoughts on mm-hmm. maybe different phrases or different ways mm-hmm. you can try and take that space for yourself if you need it? If you're specifically in my boat and you're mm-hmm. up against somebody else that tends to be a little bit more loud. Okay. <laughs> okay. First question is, what do you want? You want space so you can think and come up with words. That's what you want. So when you say, just give me a minute, I need to gather my thoughts. 
Okay. If that's not honored, you still honor it. In all the noise, if that's what you need, you still take up that space regardless of the noise. Example, on a city transit, how often have you been lost in your thoughts with all the noise and you still can escape? It's not any different. Honoring your voice, regardless of the noise or the white noise, or you figured out what you need, you need space to gather your thoughts, regardless of the noise, you're going to still honor that side of you. And, and I want to piece this together too: vocal versus voice. Some people become vocal, and maybe they get louder in their opinion, because they feel like they won't be heard. Other people get vocal in tears. It's still vocal but it's not your voice. So regardless, whether it's quiet, vocal, loud, vocal, emotional, vocal, it's still not your voice. And so when we're in these places, honoring your voice is going, I, what am I thinking? And if it, it takes two days, it takes two days. Okay. Which I want to say this, let's say it takes you five days to figure it out. Okay. So I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you a question. <laughs> <laughs> let's pretend it took you five days to figure it out. What do you do? I mean, I, I suppose the good answer right, <laughs> is that, you know, then you can take that back to the person that you were talking with. And maybe it becomes, hey, remember when we were discussing X, Y, and Z thing the other day, I, I sat with this, I thought about it, and, and I wanted to tell you, mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. discovered mm -hmm. this. <laughs> yes. Yes. Because a firm believer... And I am a firm believer because I need it for my life <laughs> is that every conversation gets a second chance, all conversations, because I'm not prepared. So if a vocal person gets loud and five days go by and they're like, why was I so loud? They get to honor their voice, go back and say, you know, when I was talking to you, I, I, I grew loud in what I was saying. I didn't need to do that. But here's, I want to go back and revisit because now I actually know what I want to say without the loud. You know, the other day when I started crying, you know, I was embarrassed. You know, I, you know, here I am crying in the workplace. It took me five days. Here's what I want to say. I didn't need to cry. I just need to say this. It's honoring your voice. It's the inner voice inside you. So regardless, it takes you one hour, five days, a month, revisit conversations. Why? To practice using your voice. For sheer practice, do it. <laughs> you know, just so the next time maybe you won't cry, you know, because you'll you'll get so seasoned in it that you won't have to do you'll figure it out, you know, you'll be able to exercise what you're supposed to do right in the moment. This is another hard one. <laughs> we've we've talked about things in the past that are difficult. And I think that this is another one. It's hard. It'd be so much easier to come to the conclusion of what you were trying to articulate in a conversation five days later, but then just hold it to yourself and and not have to bring it up again because it obviously was creating conflict within you. So it might be difficult to bring it up again and it would be, quote, easier to just let it go. Just wanted to throw that out there. I feel like this is another that honoring your voice is another difficult thing to do. And as you said, it takes practice. Mm -hmm. It does. But and it's how we start our life. We start our life practicing and then it stopped. Right. 
<laughs> like, so we all have to go back to, you know, three years old and go, okay, I got to pick this up again. Okay. I got to figure this thing out, you know? Yeah. Here's one. How do we approach a conversation to make sure that we're being heard from the very beginning? So I have an example as to why I want to ask you this question. Okay. Um, the other day I was having a conversation with my partner, Victor, who's who's been mentioned before on the podcast. Sorry, Victor, if we're throwing you under a bus right now. Um, he's a very loving individual. He'll forgive me. But, but we were having this conversation and it, it the content doesn't even matter because basically what happened was that I was getting really heated about my opinion on of this. And I just found myself repeating myself and I just kept saying the same things over and over again. And Victor is a very good conversationalist, probably never been in a debate club, but if he was, I'm guarantee you he would win all the medals. Like (laughs) he's just really good. He does think on his feet. I don't. And I had this aha moment where I had to stop because unlike what we were saying, I was not practicing my, Hey, I need a moment to think about this. Instead, I got to this angry place and I said, I just don't want to talk about this anymore. I just don't want to talk about it. And end conversation. We're done. <laughs> and then anyway, okay. Um, and I took a moment cause that was what I actually needed. And then I came back and I said, I just don't feel like you're allowing me to have my own opinion right now. And that is actually what I'm upset about is that I, want to feel like I can have my own opinion and that it can be validated and that you can have your own opinion. It can be validated. And that is actually what this conversation has turned into. I don't think I'm alone Mm -hmm. in having that happen. I think that sometimes you just find that maybe a conversation is not going anywhere because you just don't feel like you're getting heard. Mm -hmm. So how Mm -hmm. do we approach a conversation and make sure that we can be heard from the very beginning? Mm Um, I'm going to tell you what I've been learning on one of the techniques I use. So I was saying earlier that I'm getting comfortable that I'm a soft-spoken person and really getting comfortable in that again and letting go of the expectation that I have to have this compelling, (laughs) compelling voice and presence. You know, that's not me. Okay. So number one is I had to figure that one out. Number two is what do I want to say? regardless if someone agrees or disagrees, what do I want to say and keep it really simple? So if we're talking and you say, you know, chess is the best game in the world. And I'm like, are you kidding me? It's golf. (laughs) And you're like, are you crazy? Chess. (laughs) What do I want to say? I want to say what I know to be true for myself. Golf, for me, is the best sport, my favorite sport. That for me is is an invitation for conversation. Okay, but for me, I see it this way. That two words, for me, because there's no threat. And I'm not going to change right now. Maybe, maybe you you will wax eloquence and you'll go on and on about, about chess. And I'll be like, what? You're right. Chess is the best game in the world. But for me, where I stand is golf is my favorite. It's that, that for me can, it can allow conversations and you stay in it. 
you stay in it. So you're winning me over, winning me over, showing, bringing out the stats. You got reports and articles and you're just, you got YouTube presentations. You're just going for it. For me, it's still golf. See the calm, the Mm -hmm. calm. And that word is, those two words are like, ah, they're gold. You know, they allow, they allow an invitation for conversation. I like that, that it can be that simple. Just these two words for me. By the way, for me right now, the best game is Sushi Go. (laughs) It's a, it's a, it's a card game. I just discovered it and purchased it to go on a camping trip with the other day. And it is so fun. (laughs) Wait, it's not chess? No, I, I don't actually know how to play chess. Uh, okay I'll, I'll get better on my examples Karen you so don't know me Karen you so don't know me because for me it's sushi go yeah <laughs> what I'm hearing us dance around is that a lot of honoring your voice is around finding space and giving yourself space finding the space and giving yourself the space to figure out the essence of what you're trying to articulate in a conversation And then even if you're in the middle of a conversation, requesting the space if you need it, and then taking it, even if someone continues to come at you with words, tuning that out and giving yourself a moment. The way I describe it, so during this whole study that I was obsessing over, which I love, love, love for another episode, um, but I love it. And um, I, I did some therapy sessions with uh, Emily Schwimmer from Beverly Hills, a therapist, and oh, she's fantastic. And what I learned from her was calm your body, calm your mind, find your words. So when you said you know, we create space everywhere, anywhere, at all times, always create a space to calm your body, calm your mind, and the words will flow. Okay. I remember Corey and I were driving and I just got off the phone. I was flustered. My energy shifted. And he was like, what's, what's wrong with you? What's wrong? What's wrong? He goes, what's wrong? And I went, right. And I calmed myself and I could feel energy inside me. I, I was rattled. So I calmed. I, it took 30 seconds. And I calmed my body and then I went just in my head. I was thinking to myself, just calm your mind, calm your body, calm your mind. What is it? And I had no idea I felt this way at all until I calmed my body, calmed my mind. I went, I felt disrespected when I got the phone. I felt it was a disrespectful conversation. I went, and it felt so good to say it. I did not need to revisit. I just felt disrespected. And I, and then I said, moving forward, because it's not important, let that conversation go, but moving forward, how do I make sure that doesn't happen again to me? And I came up with a solution. So this thing about when you said the space, it's so true. That is like, it's like a secret sauce. If everybody would do it, you just calm your body. And I say it, I actually say that calm my body, calm my mind, find my words. So it, it, it really works. Willie was on to something. Use your words. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that's all we really wanted to talk about today, honoring your voice. Next week, we'll continue our series of Speaking Your Mind Well with a new topic.